Welcome. You are listening to Passing the Peace. Featuring Amy Meyer and Nancy McCraney. Passing the Peace is a podcast with a progressive look at faith, religion, God, the Bible, and some other stuff. If you're listening right now, it only takes a few clicks to help us out by subscribing to the podcast, giving us a review, and you might even consider sharing it with someone else who might be interested. In this episode, we are talking about worship and why you should bother to do it. And we're also talking about the idea of spirit-filled worship and spirit-inspired worship and what that might mean. So stay tuned for that. But before we begin, we want to take just a brief moment to thank everybody for listening. We've gotten such wonderful feedback from so many people, so many messages, and we are just so grateful for all the listeners and for all the support. And we also want to say a very special hello to all our listeners in other countries. It's kind of neat to think about people listening from around the world. So shout out to all the listeners in Canada, Ireland, and Bermuda. We also want to let you know that this is the season finale for season one. We plan to be back for season two, but we're just not sure when exactly that will be. Our church, the First Presbyterian Church in Elgin, Texas, is going to be trying out Facebook worship on May 24th, 2020, to see if that might be a good fit for us. And we'd love for you to join us. And you should be able to find us at facebook.com slash First Presbyterian Elgin. We hope that you enjoy this episode about worship and that you are able to find some way to worship wherever you are. So if you uh, came to church early last week before worship, then you got to see a slideshow where we talked about things that people are doing now in today's society instead of going to church. And each of those things in the slideshow fell into a different category depending on what you might get out of participating in those things. So I'm going to just refresh your memory what those categories are. And as you hear the categories, I think you'll be able to hear that these are things that you can get from coming to church, but there are probably also some other places out in the world that you can get these same things. So the categories are accountability, community, creativity, purpose finding, and social transformation. Um, we're going to do like just a little bit of a quiz, if you will. And we're going to just take two of these categories and think about where people might find something like that other than church. So we'll start with community. I think that's maybe an easier, easier one to think about. Think about community and where people might go in Elgin or in the surrounding area to find community other than church. Can you think of anything? Exercise. Library. The Thursday night sip and stroll. Yeah, Thursday night sip and stroll. Coffee shop. Coffee shop. Taverns. Taverns. Volunteer groups. Volunteer groups. Did I miss any? Okay. 
Let's think about one more. Let's think about personal transformation. Where might you go in Elgin, other than church, to experience personal transformation? Gym. Fitness center, gym, yeah. Yoga. <laughs> we have to say yoga. Yes. Yeah, community cupboard, doing volunteer work. Good one. Yeah. Community choir. Community choir. Mm-hmm. Sure. AA, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's good. Okay, so the point is that there are places other than church that you can go to find some of the things that you can find in church. And there are definitely people who believe that that's all you need. There are definitely people that, that say, like, church is great, but you can find a lot of that stuff elsewhere, so you don't really need to go to church. But I would argue that there is one thing that church offers that's really difficult to find in other places, and that is worship. And we're talking about spirit-inspired worship today. We know from reading the Bible that Jesus was someone who worshipped. And so we know that part of following Jesus is following his example of worship. And there are different people who might think of worship in different ways. I know for sure that there are some people who will say that they do worship, they just do it at home by themselves. And I would actually make the distinction that that's prayer. That's not necessarily worship. It's not a bad thing. I think it's great to pray at home. But worship has a communal aspect to it. In order to worship, it's something that you do in community. If you are listening right now in the month of May, in the year 2020, then you are listening during the pandemic. And you probably know that the experience of worship has changed quite a bit because of the pandemic. And you probably also know that it's difficult for many people to experience community right now in worship or in other areas of life. Of course, there are many churches out there and other places of worship that are offering all kinds of creative online opportunities. And many people have told me that they are really enjoying the ability to worship online. But others feel like it's just not quite right. It just hasn't been able to take the place of what they have experienced as true spirit-filled worship. So as we talk about worship today, I invite you to consider ways that you might be able to find worship, particularly worship in community, in your own circumstance, some creative way. And we'd love to hear your ideas too, if you're willing to share. But let's get back to talking about worship, and maybe that will get some creative juices flowing for you. I remember one time being at a, in Louisville, with a group of students mm -hmm. from Austin Seminary, mm -hmm. and there were students from other yeah. Presbyterian seminaries Presbyterian there. Vatican. Yes. <laughs> and there was a professor from Fuller, and we were having worship, and he was getting us ready for the prayer of confession. And he said, this is a moment in worship. 
when we can be completely honest with God about who we are and who we're not and who we long to be. And I'd never heard it mm-hmm. said that way before. It was just something we do. We do this corporate prayer of confession. Mm-hmm. And I've never forgotten that because mm-hmm. it's, and nice. often I'll remember that before we do the prayer of confession together. I'll think this is the moment I can be completely honest. Yeah. I don't have to pretend that I've got it all together or, but it's like, yeah, let's be really honest here. We need, we need God and we need a little cleaning up. Right. A lot of cleaning up. Yeah. Well, speaking about the prayer of confession, it's funny because I kind of love the prayer of confession, but I used to hate it. Uh Uh-huh. When I was a child, the church where I attended, I don't know if it was every week, but quite often the prayer of confession was extremely specific oh and and we so it was printed in the bulletin we all read it together and so it would say things like god forgive me for walking by a homeless person this week or you know just really specific stuff and i was reading it as a child reading along going i didn't walk uh-huh. I've never even seen a homeless person. Yeah, how you know? dare you? <laughs> so I felt like I was try- yeah. ha- ha- being forced to confess. Kind of being shamed. Yeah, yeah, for sins that I had never committed. <laughs> and I was always really angry about yeah. it. I know sometimes I didn't read it just in protest, silently from my seat. But I kind of eventually learned that the prayer of confession, just like many other parts of the worship service, but particularly the prayer of confession, that piece of it where you're reading, you're not only confessing your sins, but you're helping others confess their sins. Yeah. And it's a very communal prayer in that way. Right. And so it's almost like, I didn't walk by a homeless person this week, but someone did. And maybe we did. Like right. we as a culture. Right, right. And I've come to think of it as like we're confessing the sins of the world. Right. You know, we're saying, oh, we're in need of you. you right. Know, live in us. Be in us. Um, yeah. Come again. You know, we need... We need you continually moving mm-hmm. in us and in our world. And I think it can set up in the, this beautiful way the possibility for change. Because I think about when we want to defend ourselves, mm-hmm. we're less able to change. And when we can confess, even maybe things I specifically haven't done, or you in particular haven't done, but we've done, then maybe we could become better. We can do better. Yeah. We can know, oh, there is a homeless person that I just drove past without even a smile or an acknowledgement. A couple weeks ago, we talked about ecclesial health. We talked about what it's like when you gather people to community to worship. And sometimes when you involve people, things can go crazy. Uh, we're all we're all human and and there are you know definitely things that have happened in this church and in other churches that are just a little crazy and 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 I think that those things sometimes are what give churches a bad rap uh, because crazy things can happen in church but at the same time 
Crazy things can happen in church, right? <laughs> Amazing crazy. I can't tell you how many times, at, just immediately after worship sometimes, people will come up to me and say, you're not going to believe what happened in worship. Or they'll contact me several days later about something that happened during the week because of worship. And I'll just give you one example. Not too long ago, there was someone sitting in our worship service, and I got permission to use this story. But he was having a bit of some tension with his neighbor. And the tension involved a fence that he wanted to build for some privacy, and it was causing tension between him and his neighbor. And so he said, I can't believe that this Sunday, out of all the Sundays I've been here, every prayer, every song, every single thing was about loving your neighbor. <laughs> and like, not that you don't normally talk about that, but so much more so today, even to the point to where the lyrics of every verse of every song were about uh, creating harmony and restoring peace. <laughs> and he said, and so I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about, oh my gosh, I just, I, I really feel like I need the privacy of this fence and it's causing this tension. And then you mentioned in your sermon something about a gate and it was like God reached into my brain and turned a light bulb on and I suddenly realized, oh my gosh, I'll just put a gate in the fence <laughs> and then we can go easily between the two properties. And that's what he did and it worked out great. And I remember you told a story about a man who was having trouble with his neighbor. Yeah. And he came to church and, and during worship, everything was about loving your neighbor. Mm -hmm. And then he had this insight about putting a gate in his fence. I thought that was a beautiful story. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking, has anything like that ever happened to me? And I know it has. But one thing stood out when my children were baptized. And I, um, they were baptized here. And I kind of drug my feet on that because I was raised in a tradition where baptism by immersion was the way, uh, and so I was still okay. a little conflicted about the amount of water. I know. <clears throat> I knew better, but it was in sort of in my body. It was like, oh, you know, should I wait and let it, it mean something to them? And then I was like, Nancy, come on, just get over it. It's time. And so I think my oldest was four and my youngest was two, and it was a little bit of a circus because they were, you know, one was hiding under the communion table and the other one was sitting <laughs> on his dad's shoulders and doing gymnastic tricks during the whole thing. But part of the service was um, I invited, my, my father had died by that time, my grandfather had died by that time, but I had an uncle who was a chaplain um, and he since died, but he was a beautiful singer. And I, so I said, would you come? and sing The Lord is My Shepherd, and I think it was the version, the tune written by Handel. It's a beautiful version. And so I have my video camera, and this was sort of in the old days where you actually looked through oh, the yeah. lens finder, and yeah. I wanted to, to video him. Like and tape. so it was during work, it was a tape. Yeah. yeah, you click in and turn it on and had batteries and all that. Yeah. So much more complicated than yeah. it is now. <laughs> and so Uncle, my Uncle Jay was singing and he, he has this beautiful tenor voice, and I'm, I've got my video going, and I'm looking through the viewfinder at my uncle, mm -hmm. and I saw my grandfather's face so distinctly that I had to move the video camera, because I thought, what? And I shook my head, and, and then it was my uncle, and then I looked back through the viewfinder, and it was my grandfather, 
it was just this weird experience. Mm. But I had this overwhelming experience of like the communion of the saints. That even yeah. though there's my uncle singing, I know it's him. Clearly, somehow my grandfather is here too. Mm. And that reminded me of all the people that that aren't here in body, but are here as part of the body. Um, and it's maybe especially when we share the sacraments. Yeah, It's like this thin place that you talked about. You know, sometimes when you come in here, it's like every bush is burning. And sometimes when you come in here, it's like a thin place. You've heard of a thin place where the, where the presence of the holy is palpable. And, and we, as humans, desire those experiences. We desire to be close to the holy. That's a desire that is in our DNA that we've known about for centuries, for longer than centuries, for a long time. There's a medieval book written in the 14th century that talks about that deep desire to know God. It's a book called The Cloud of Unknowing, and nobody knows who the author was. But here's what it says. It says, there's a thirst, hunger, or desire for the divine that ever escapes our comprehension and control and yet constantly impinges on our awareness. It keeps nudging us or we keep bumping up against it. But however it flickers at the edge of our vision or teases our imaginations, it reinforces our sense of alienation and awakens our sense of longing. Uh, desire to have that experience is a real thing. That's a real desire. And there are some people that, for whatever reason, don't believe that they can satisfy that desire in worship. And it just so happens that I was listening to a podcast this week that talked about that. And I want to say that sometimes when we think about spirit-filled worship, I would venture to bet that everybody wants that. Everybody wants spirit-filled worship. And there's this kind of hole we can fall into when we think that if we are going to have spirit-filled worship, then what that means is something that's entertaining and excellent music and a talented speaker. And I'm not against talented speakers or entertaining things or great music. I'm for those things. <laughs> but just having those things doesn't necessarily mean that you are experiencing spirit-filled worship. And so the podcast I was listening to, it's the Wild Goose podcast, kind of spoke to that in an interesting way. They were talking about how they were going to worship services that were not at church. So for example, if you attend a festival, like an outdoor festival, and you go to their worship services, or if you're a kid and you're growing up in camp and you go to the worship services at camp, uh, or any other kind of other than church worship services. And they were talking about how they were going to these places and they were having these amazing experiences in worship. And then they were going to church and it didn't feel the same. And they were talking about why that is. 
And the answer that they came up with was really simple. They said that when they go to these other experiences, what they realized was that they were bringing their full selves to worship. They weren't trying to hide anything about themselves or be or act any certain way. But then when they were going to church, for whatever reason, they were putting on some armor. And it's that armor that you wear when you're worried that if you show who you really are, that maybe you won't be accepted for who you really are. And so they made a commitment to start bringing their full selves to church. And that was making all the difference for them. Because if you don't bring your full self, your true self, cognitively, uh, emotionally, physically, if you don't bring your whole self, then your whole self cannot give thanks and praise to God in worship. If you don't bring your whole self, then, then you can't bring your whole self to be healed. You can't bring your whole self to be led by the Spirit or to be filled. You'll hear more about Spirit-filled worship from Nancy and from me in just about 30 seconds when we come back. So I was listening to your sermon on the way home last night, and I loved it. I mean, when you just you talking about spirit-filled worship, I mean that's what we all long for. Mm, and you yeah. read you read a you read a quote about that from the cloud of unknowing. Oh yeah, and that really I think that's where I started sort of um, feeling the spirit mm. because that is just true. I think we have this, and I've sometimes called it this sort of homesickness. It's like a yearning for something feels like. I've had before, but I can't remember, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm yearning for that again, that yeah. uni- unifying, unified feeling with the spirit, with mm-hmm. God, with, with all. And it happens every now and then. Yeah. And it's so good. You just, you just want it to happen more and more, you know? Right. And I think it's the theologian, Cynthia Bourgeau. She's an Episcopalian or Anglican theologian from Canada. And she talks about when you feel that yearning for God or for for the holy, if you'll tug on it like you would a rope, what you discover at the other end is the holy yearning for you. Mm. And and so when I think about worship and the the what you the words you said about that is um, when we bring our whole self just show up with our yearning mm-hmm. and then pull on that a little bit and know that the Holy One is experiencing that same longing. Mm. I mean, that invites me in more than anything else. Um, I also loved, you talked about how you listened to a podcast and maybe it was the Wild Goose it was. Festival mm-hmm. podcast. Mm-hmm. And so how people experience worship outside of church mm-hmm. in this really amazing way. Mm-hmm. And I've had that experience at yeah. retreats or at camp or at a concert or where it feels like worship. Yeah. Um, it's like, what's going on? Why can't people f- experience that at, at church? Mm-hmm. And then you said it was because we're not bringing our whole selves to, to church. Mm-hmm. And I think, boy, that rang true. Mm. So I think that was part of the, the same, we we're talking about yearning and then why, why isn't that always experienced at church? And I think for me, and I think for a lot of we bring our brains to church, 
And sometimes we bring our hearts to church, but I don't know how much we bring our bodies to church mm. in our, especially in our denomination. Right. And I think when I've worshipped with other kinds of denominations that do bring their bodies to church, it's just a little uncomfortable for me as mm-hmm. a, you know, you know, I grew up in one tradition where we were really um, pretty contained. Mm-hmm. You know, and then Presbyterians are typically pretty contained in worship. Mm-hmm. I think we do a, a good job of creating movement and inviting our whole selves into mm-hmm. worship. But that's interesting to me. Like, how do you bring your whole self when you want people to th- not think you're an idiot and <laughs> you don't want to embarrass yourself? You know, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. I try to push myself in that way. Like, if there's a way to move with a song, Without, you know, mm-hmm. humiliating myself. Yeah. Then I'll try to do that. Well, I certainly think that there are some people who lots of movement would be uncomfortable and, right. and foreign. And it, it would be, if they tried doing that, it wouldn't really be their t- true yeah, selves because right. it's not how they are. That's a good point. You know, I think of myself as being, you know, really loose and unpolished which I am but um but I try to let myself be my true self during worship okay and I'm hoping that that inspires the people in the pews to do the same thing I think without a doubt it does that's what I'm hoping because I was thinking like sometimes you'll pick up the drum and start playing it or the tambourine yeah that's your true self yes you love that yeah I do and when you first started it I think some of us were like oh what are we doing but it's now we're really comfortable with it and it yeah. gives us permission to maybe clap a little not mm-hmm. that that's the you know be all end all but right. to to bring our true selves yeah yeah and we certainly don't want to make people feel like they have to clap because I will tell you that some Presbyterians are really bad at clapping. They are. <laughs> like we're not. That's not our gift. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> A friend of mine turned me on to this Elvis video, and I can't remember what song he's singing, but it's a video of him. And the front row is younger, a younger generation of people really enjoying his, his, and they're all clapping along to the song at the same time they're clapping to the beat. And behind them is maybe their parents or a slightly older group. And it's like, they have to go to clapping school back there. <laughs> like, like they're, they're all totally wrong. Totally but, you know, yeah, it's, right. it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. And so now they're having fun. And I think if you can't clap, but that's what you want to do, do it. Yeah. You know, as long as you're not really being a stumbling block right. for everybody right. around you. Then you go clap, girl. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Get it. <laughs> but I, but some people just, you know, they that's not them. No. They don't, you're right. They don't want to. You're right. So how to create a space where whoever you are. And that's what made me cry. When mm. you read Romans 12 from the message and there was a line in there you're going to have to help me remember it. But it was like, we we bring our whole lives, our eating, sleeping, walking around lives, mm-hmm. and lay them before God. Mm-hmm. And I just felt this sort of, you know, this sort of breathtaking, like, that's what I want. Mm-hmm. Like, all I just want to lay it all. And I, I try to do that, but I think sometimes I don't do that. I mm. I try to manage this part of my life myself, but to have that 
freedom and to feel that freedom. I have that freedom, but to feel it and to live into that freedom of bringing all of it, every bit of it. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even especially the parts I think, oh, God would not want me to bring this, which is ridiculous. I know better than that. Mm-hmm. But there's still little childlike parts of me that think, ooh, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to hide. I'm going to hide this because mm-hmm. I'm not real proud of it or mm-hmm. it's probably not good enough. And I thought that was that invitation to bring our whole selves to worship is such a beautiful one and maybe challenging. Mm -hmm. And then I I heard a Rumi quote this morning. I was doing one of these guided meditations and they were using sort of the heartbeat and then different quotes. And the Rumi quote was, I looked for the divine in churches, synagogues, and mosques. And I found the divine within the human heart. Mm. And I thought about you saying, when we bring our whole selves to worship, we invite the divine in. And so we're not feeling anything. Maybe we need to look at our own heart and what we've, what we're bringing. Yeah. And so the challenge is to really think about bringing your whole self, whatever whatever that might mean for you, to worship when you come to worship. And to trust that when you do that, that the people here, the people around you, your siblings in Christ, will love you and accept you for exactly who you are. And to trust that I, your pastor, will love you and accept you for exactly who you are. And to know that God loves you and accepts you for who you are. And so I wanna end by reading this quote from Romans 12. This is from the message version of the Bible. And in Romans, this is a description. I think this is perfect. It's a description of what spiritual worship should look like. And again, this is the message version, so it's a little bit different from what you have in your pews. Here's what it says. Here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for God. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what God wants from you and quickly respond. In the name of God the Creator, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Music for Passing the Peace is provided by two wonderful Austin musicians named Eric Garcia, Eric with an A, and Isaac Ruth. They do podcast music and other stuff too. You can reach them through email at booking at ijrouthmusic.com. That's it for season one. We'll be back sometime in the future for season two.
Remember, it only takes a few clicks to help us out. You can subscribe to Passing the Peace, you can give us a review, and you can even share the podcast with someone who might be interested. This is Amy Meyer coming to you from the First Presbyterian Church in Elgin, Texas. You can find us on our website at www.fpcelgin.org. That's First Presbyterian Church in Elgin, Texas. If you enjoy the kinds of conversations that we are having, and if you think these kinds of conversations are important, then we invite you to come and join us if you're in the area. Join in on those conversations. Until next time. The peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. Now go and pass the peace to everyone you meet.